Good morning, and thank you for joining me. This is Minister Shauna from the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ. The pastor is Elder Terry Kennedy, along with his lovely wife, Lady Sherelle. And we are bringing to you a portion of a Christian education lesson that we had this past Sunday. And the topic for today is going to be corrupt leaders. And we're going to be uh, reading in your hearing today out of the book of Micah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. 9 through 12, and then Micah chapter 6, verses 6, 7, and 8. And we'll take a look and discuss uh, some of the content today in regards to justice. And this is one of five lessons for us coming out of the Apostolic Way. It's the name of our uh, Christian education book. And in we are in lesson four today. And we're going to be taking a look at how God requires justice and then also touch just briefly in this lesson about the importance of how God judges uh, the nation as well as the opportunity that comes from uh, providing justice, doing justice, and showing justice on behalf of all people or all mankind. <clears throat> so, Go with me for a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get started on our lesson this morning. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you to give you thanks and to give you praise. We appreciate you on today and acknowledge that it is by your grace, your mercy, your love, your power, and kindness that we have been given this opportunity to just take the time to call upon your name. So glad, Lord God, that you in turn know each of our names individually and collectively. I thank you, Lord God, for this broadcast and as it is preparing to go forward, that it will be a blessing to the hearers, Lord God, who just tune in, looking for a word, listening for a word, and just prayerfully seeking continued guidance through the word. We pray, O oh God, that you would just bless us as we go forward, honor this endeavor, and we give you thanks and praise in advance for what blessings will be bestowed upon your people for those who have taken the opportunity to listen. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we are going to be talking about corrupt leaders. And again, our content is found in the book of Micah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, verses 9 through, through 12, excuse me, and then Micah chapter 6, verses 6, 7, and 8, all of which I'll be reading in your hearing, beginning at Micah 3 and 1. And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? Who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones? who also eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skin from off them. And they break their bones, and chop them in pieces, as for the pot, and as flesh within the cauldron. Hear this, I pray ye, ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel, that adhor George judgment, and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Verse 12. Therefore shall I say, Zion, 
excuse me, therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house as the high places of the forest. Chapter 6, verse 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. All right, and so for the next probably 15 minutes or so, we're going to take a look at um, how corrupt leaders um, go against really the call of God to do just what um, Micah 6 and 8 encourages all of us to do and directs us to do, which is, again, to love the Lord our God and God's requirements by doing just, uh, again, to all mankind, love and show mercy and to walk humbly uh, with God. And so in our uh, Sunday School book, it's broken down into three sections uh, under a section titled In-Depth. And in these three sections, it really is just kind of an overview of what the verses, um, in essence, are saying to us today. So we're going to begin with our first one that says, Leaders, Evil Desires. This is going to cover Micah chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. So the leaders of Israel, uh, including government leaders, priests, prophets, business leaders, and more, had turned their hearts from God's will. They had been given God's covenantal law and were supposed to be the examples of righteous behavior for all those around them. Yet they had perverted what was right and used their position to take advantage of those they were supposed to lead. Israel's leaders had neglected their duties and led the people astray. Rather than protecting and instructing their citizens, they exploited and misled them. Micah uses the image of cannibalism to describe how the leaders fed off of those they were called to protect. Jerusalem's leaders are being accused of increasing their power by using violence and oppression. So to give us just a little bit of background of what has taken place, we have Micah who uh, is prophesying to the people, and he begins just with a general announcement to Samaria and Jerusalem that God had a case to present against the nation of Israel and Judah. And therefore, he lays out these two series of judgments against the divided nations by describing the sins that they had committed against God as well as their fellow citizens. And so when we take a look at that and we think about that in today's terms, we can see how the text suggests ways that were they were using uh, their places of power and position to persuade economic um, gains in their favor rather than in the favor of the people. They were exploiting, they were being greedy, if you will, they were taxing senselessly uh, to a people that were already providing, if you will, the labor to support um, the way that the group was living overall. And it says, as a result, then, moral corruption slowly began to to creep in. And even as I'm, you know, uh, reading this content, we can always consider our own days and times in which we live and see where this still exists even today. 
And in turn, then we have to look at how rulers, leaders, again, as the uh, text had called, you know, your um, prophets, your business leaders, your priests, um, and people in place or people in power, whether in government or, again, just within uh, the ruling portions of each city or nation, we can see how if the leadership is corrupt, then the people that they are to be leading are often the ones who are exploited the most. So as we take a look at our next section, we can see how that leaders' corruption, which is verses 9 through 12, also then not only impacts how um, the people of God are impacted by the lack of leadership, but we're going to see what happens from um, the prophet's view when we we use our position as a way to enhance or, again, to um, profit for gain. And so it discusses the following. Amid all of this, Micah is standing up for justice by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. The prophet accuses the leaders of not just disobedience, but of hating justice and perverting the very meaning of righteousness. Micah says that the leaders are attempting to build up the city, but at the expense of the poor. The false prophets are not the only corrupt citizens in Samaria and Jerusalem in this time. Leaders in almost every area of their society had gone astray. As a nation, and individually for many leaders, the focus quickly became prosperity by any means necessary. Despite the fact that the nation had adopted a culture of cheating, lying, stealing, marginalizing the poor, professing that their growth and success or stimulus plan was due to their dependence on and protection by God. Micah ends by informing the people or telling the people that the city that they are working so hard to build will ultimately be destroyed. And so looking a little bit further into uh, verses 9 through 12, we can see where Micah begins to address the political and religious groups of Judah. He is calling out the heads and the princes responsible for establishing the religious and political moral standard for the people. As a result, then, Micah is speaking on behalf of the Lord, and he accuses them of hating or uh, adhoring, which just simply means to loathe or to detest or even make uh, abominable, a strong indication of how far they were willing to go to rule outside of the rules that God had already set for the Israelites. As a result, then, you now have a people or a nation of people who were once following God and following God's principles, subject to leadership who is no longer adhering to the ways of the Lord. And by not instructing the people with fairness, <clears throat> and seeking their own gain or personal agendas, you begin to see, again, the breakdown uh, take place within the people. So now we have uh, rulers and chief justices, if you will, that are uh, perverting the equity or the equality of life for people. So again, you can see and just think about things and how um, life events are taking place in the day and time in which we live, where these things are evident and noticeable to us even in our day and time in which we live. 
we move on a little further and we can look and see also then how um, a perfect example how tithes and offerings were established as places of uh, worship again as a means to protect and provide uh, for the church but they were being taken from the poor and in some instances they were killed to expand Jerusalem so archaeology testifies to the building activities that in the time or in the building of uh, Jerusalem, Micah's prophecy to build themselves up against any incoming invasion, eventually, as we'll see, you know, um, doesn't prevent them from being taken captive. Instead, the capital that they were trying to raise and the capital that they were extracting from the people who didn't have as much as those in power were going to see, it did not prevent uh, the city ultimately from being uh, taken over. So Micah goes on and helps us begin to understand through the examination of the political and social ethics at that time that the leaders were not being fair to all people, rather they were serving a class of people. And uh, in doing so, the exploitation of God's people causes God to become furious with the people. And in turn, he will uh, begin to sanction a judgment against the uh, t- against Judah for being prideful and sinful and turning away from um, the Lord's plan and process that he had already put in place. Because, again, we'll often hear, you know, the Lord will provide and he will. But that provision is based on the stipulation that we're following um, the rules and following the guidelines and the parameters in which God has called his people to live by. So we have to be, you know, encouraged and know uh, sometimes we can see things happening around us and really feel powerless to um, how or what can we do to respond to so much that's happening in the land or happening in our world today um, and wonder where is God or wonder how can I fight back or how can or does my one voice uh, make a difference. But as I've shared with my Sunday school class in the past, uh, your voice matters, but you have to use your voice and exercise uh, the rights that your voice brings within the uh, places where your voice can count. Amen. And so our last section that we're going to look at is God calls, and this is covering Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. What can Israel do to correct its broken relationship with God? Because ultimately, with the, within the corrupt leadership is also the breakdown of the relationship that Judah is supposed to have with um, Jesus Christ or God as their uh, Lord and Savior. So their immediate response is going to have to address um, the fact that they have not upheld the standards that God had um, made stipulations for them. So it lets us know in the text, are they to try to offer the traditional sacrifices to God as if that will be acceptable? And the prophet Micah points out, no matter how much they give, it won't be pleasing to God, even if they were to offer Uh, other human sacrifices because again what was customary to uh, offer this sacrifice would be prohibited by the covenant law and that can be found in Leviticus chapter 18 verses uh, 21 so 
it's just to sh show that there are times where a tradition of what we would do is not going to immediately bring us back into compliance with, with God. Uh, rather, when God calls for um, us to address our corruption, address our sin, address um, the fact that we're misplaced or we are no longer where we are or were, or we're no longer where we're supposed to be, Micah lets us know um, that it is our responsibility to keep the laws and the commandments of, of uh, Christ. And therefore, he lets them know whether it is a prophecy, it is a teaching, it is a ruling, until one's heart inwardly comes back into alignment and is back in condition with the heart of God, we can do acts that are religious but won't ultimately um, rend us from the consequences of the sin or the sins or actions that we've taken against God. So Michael just comes to let the people know that he's concerned for them on behalf of God and that God is concerned um, about the outward religiosity that the people are showing without having an inward heart that shows change, shows care, shows concern, and shows that uh, that they wanted to be in compliance with the ordinances that they were given to live by. And again, same for us today. And so in Micah's prophecy, then, he communicates to them about God's requirement that because we are his people and we want, if they want to once again be his uh, people, that they have to be a society that loves mercy. And he desires to express to them and show them that God does protect his people and God is for the oppressed and God is for the poor and that he does desire that people uh, act mercifully towards one another. So in other words, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not just those that have money, look out for those that have money, but whether you have more or less than the next person to treat each other humanely and to remember um, that mercy should be extended to all people. And God requires that uh, we continue to walk in a covenant fellowship with him. And in order to do so, we have to know what God has called for, uh, both in our life and in our uh, relationship with him as we walk with um, God. And so Micah goes on and lets him know that there is a trial, if you will, or would be like a trial, for the people of God to look and see where they are at in their walking and in their journey. And he lets them know that, again, we have to decide which side we're going to be on. So, ultimately, Micah's prophecy is showing that God's not guilty, but rather um, the children of Israel had to pay the restitution to God because they walked away from the ordinances that they were supposed to be keeping since they were proclaiming to be children of God. And as a result, ultimately then we are able to know that as believers, that nothing we give God uh, could atone for our sin. So ultimately that debt, which we uh, know is too great or was too great for any of us to pay. So we know that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross and ultimately gave up his life in place of ours because we could not atone for our own sin. And so Jesus Christ atoned for us all. And in conclusion, then we can see because God stands for justice and because he stands for mercy and humility, 
that we want to, again, as his people, be able to show um, that we can handle and interact and um, treat each other fairly and treat each other with kindness. So God shows us um, through Micah and through the word that he gave him in regards to dealing with corrupt leadership that each person has to examine where they are and determine if where their life is at on a voluntary basis, on a daily basis, start looking and making sure that Again, I want to be in position to be a blessing both to my neighbor and to any neighboring, in this case, nations that were around them. Because, again, if you're corrupt inwardly, then how you handle and how we uh, handle one another really can cause a lot of problems for our uh, relationships, both inwardly and outwardly. So it just brings us back to, as I conclude uh, this morning to let us know that God has great mercy for us. And when we are humble and we do not think of ourselves higher than we should, then we're able to walk with humility. And God requires this obedience in our relationship with him. This obedience is uh, better than the sacrifice, as 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two references. And we as God people want to, again, pursue justice. We want to care for the poor. Um, and we want to, again, be merciful or be non-judgmental and be patient with each other. And sometimes, you know, we expect these things, but we have to make sure that we're also in position to offer these things. And as I conclude this morning with this final thought, it says God wants us to recognize that we're all sinful and make mistakes. He also wants us to receive his grace and humility. We do not deserve God's grace. The debt of our sin is too great to repay God. So God gives us this second chance, as he did to Israel, to obey him and keep his covenant. The covenant calls for justice, mercy, and humility. In turn, it sums up that we are to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. We must obey as our as a living sacrifice because we cannot atone for the material sacrifices, um, again, that were paid for us. In conclusion, Jesus comes as the only one who is perfect in keeping the law of justice, mercy, and humility. Jesus gave his life and releases us from our debt of sin because he bore uh, the witness of how to live justly for God and then empowers us to do the same. So I pray that you have found some encouragement in this lesson uh, on today. Uh, again, this was found in the book of Micah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 and 9 through 12, and then chapter 6, verse 6, 7, and 8. Thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me. God bless you. Bye-bye.